Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bible this morning, go ahead and turn over to Isaiah 64. We're going to get there in a few minutes. Amen. But we are in a series called Alive. Alive. You are alive. You are alive. Amen. You are not dead. You are alive. Amen. Jesus is not dead. He is yet alive. Amen. Seated at the right hand of the Father. And if he be in you, then you are alive. You know, we've had a lot of things go on uh, since you've been on this earth, no matter how old you are. I don't care if you're eight years old. I don't care if you're 98 years old. <laughs> you, there, there have been a lot of things. There have been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of controversies, a lot of setbacks, a lot of failures. And through it all, God has kept us. Amen. He has kept us. And I, I was speaking with someone some time ago, and we were talking about how, I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but you, you, you know, you talk to people, or maybe you felt like this, that you uh, were born in the wrong time. You know, maybe just because of your de demeanor or your attitude or your proclivities or the things that you do, you feel like maybe I should have been born in the 60s or, you know, I'm ahead of my time. You know, people don't understand me yet, you know, or I should have been born at a, at a different time. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Um, and I know that's, that's crossed my mind at times, you know, uh, because I, I reminisce on the 70s or the 80s and, you know, when it comes to music or social media or whatever it may be. And, uh, but you know what God shared with me? He said that you were born for such a time as this. You were born for such a time as this right now. You are alive for this time. And you can look around and you can complain. And you can say gas prices are, 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 are out of control and the economy's out of control and people are out of control. And you can say all of those things, but guess what? You have a purpose and you were born for this time. You were made for this. You were made for this. And our primary job as Christians is to bring people into the kingdom. And so it doesn't matter what time you were born, the job never changes. I don't care if you were in the what we call the biblical days. I don't care if you were, uh, you know, in... Uh, 1400 BC, or I don't care if you were born in the year 800, 1600, 1900, uh, you are here right now and you are alive for a, such a time as this. God has a job. God has a purpose uh, for you. And I, I said it some weeks ago, I really believe that more people fail in life for lack of purpose than they do lack of talent or skill. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. You were born for such a time as this. You are alive. Don't sit on the side of the road and let life pass you by. You grab life. You grab it. And some will say, I've, I've tried that and it's beat me down. Well, guess what? Get back up. It can't keep you down. It can't keep you down. When I was little, when I was young, I guess I should say, um, I, I saw a, a movie and I, I, I believe the movie had Robert De Niro. Some of, some of the, uh, you know, the, the elders in here may remember uh, this movie if you're a movie buff or a movie person. But, you know, it had Robert De Niro and he played a boxer. You remember that movie? I don't know if it was Rocky Marciano. I can't remember the movie. And in, in the movie, he fought against Sugar Ray Robinson. I know y'all young people don't know who that is. You don't even know who Sugar Ray Leonard is, uh, much less Sugar Ray Robinson. But... He was fighting against him, and Sugar Ray Robinson was, was, was beating him up, man, because he was, he was like the heavyweight champ, and he was beating him down. And uh, every time he'd get back up and say, you can't keep me down, Sugar. 
You can't keep me down, sugar. And so I'm saying to you today, that's your mantra. You get back up and say, you can't keep me down, sugar. You can't keep me down because he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. God told us this morning, I've given you my name, even the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And so you are alive for such a time as this. What do we mean when we say alive? My definition of alive would line up even with Webster's, and that is that to be alive is to be full of life, okay? To be full of activity and motion, to be full of energy and excitement, to be animated and lively. When I was in the Army, you might remember this, Eldon, um, or, 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 you know, some of you guys, uh, you may, maybe in class or a teacher might have said this to you, but, you know, you're kind of feeling down, and, and somebody come and say, look alive, Look alive. You don't even look alive. That's what God is saying to you this morning. Look alive. Come on. Energy, excitement, animated, lively. Don't let your circumstances determine if you're alive or not. You have the blood of Christ. You're alive, okay? Alive, bursting open with life and vitality, right? It's not going to, you can't wait for something else to make you alive. You You have everything you need. You have the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. If not, we'll get you filled today. It's not that big of a deal, okay, to get you filled. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a big deal. But to get you filled is not that big of a deal. You don't have to go through any hoops. You don't have to roll around on the floor, swing from the chandelier. Now, when you get filled, maybe you might do some of that. I don't know. Or maybe you won't. It doesn't, uh, uh, but I'm telling you, it's not that big of a deal to get you filled. You filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, you have everything you need. You are redeemed from the curse of the law, all right, where you, and you have the Spirit. You are free. There is liberty. Come on, somebody. Look alive. Look alive. Last week, we started out with this thought of revive, revive my heart. Revive my heart. Revive means to live again, to come to life, to be restored from a state of apathy or depression, back to a full energetic life. So maybe that's where you've been at times. You've been, you know, you, you, maybe you haven't been depressed, uh, you know, or maybe your mental health is okay, but you've just been down. You just don't. I've been at that place. I've been at that place. I didn't want to turn my back on the Lord. Don't get me wrong now. I ain't turning my back on God. But at the same time, it's kind of like, God, just take me from this place. These people getting on my nerves, my family getting on my nerves, my job ain't getting no better, to use my very best Indiana University English. You know, the gas prices aren't getting any better, and, you know, all this is happening. Just go and take me, Lord. I, I, you know, my wife told me um, that she had a great-grandmother, and, uh, you know, she was, I can't remember, she was in her 90s. And, uh, yeah, and, and she had been around a long time and, and, uh, you know, I think she was in the nursing home or she was in assisted living or something, but she was, she was, uh, moving around. She was okay. She wasn't sickly, uh, but she was just wondering. She said, well, daggone, how long am I going to live? You know, when, when the Lord, I'm, I've been around a long time, you know, how long am I going to live? <laughs> and so, uh, so, so some of you might feel that way, you know, but God is saying, I'm here to revive you again revive you back to that full and energetic life, to be healed from any condition that has drained your life. Come on, to flourish, to recover, to health. And I just, I don't mean just physical health, but spiritual health, to be refreshed. Amen. To be refreshed. And the reason why we kicked off this series with this thought of God reviving your heart is because your heart is so important. Your heart is so important. 
Um, you know, uh, Khalil Gibran, he is a man who, who grew up in a Christian family. Now, later on in his life, if you've ever looked this man up because I'm quoting him, uh, he was influenced, unfortunately, by some other religions later on in his life. But I truly believe it was the Lord at an early age that shared this thought with him. He said, when you are sorrowful, look again in your heart and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. He's saying, look again to your heart when you're down. Roy T. Bennett said, believe in your heart that you're meant for a life and to live full of passion, purpose, and miracles. Helen Keller said, the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with the heart. It must be felt with the heart. And then St. Augustine said this, he said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. You see, the heart is both a muscle and an organ, and most of us would know. We don't have to be, you know, a nurse like Jody was for so many years uh, to know uh, generally what our heart does. It's the center of our circulation system, pumping blood around our body every time our heart beats. We would know that, right? And as this organ pumps blood, it sends oxygen and nutrients to our body, all parts of your body. But you might not know that it also carries away unwanted carbon dioxide and waste, okay? And uh, many of us would know from health class, uh, if you remember back that far, some of you, uh, that the heart has a delivery system in our body, right? Uh, and, and this delivery system in our body is made up of vessels, okay? And the vessels are called veins and, and arteries. And the arteries are, are those vessels that carry blood from our heart to other parts of our body, the, the, the blood and the oxygen to other parts of our body, and then the veins return that blood back to our heart to be then pumped again, to be circulated again, right? And so what you find is that what the heart sends out, it receives back. Come on. What the heart sends out returns to it again. And we would know that, yes, it is, we're having a mental health conference here in some weeks because we know that the, the mind is important. God said, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We know how important our mind is. But to life, to life, our heart is of vital importance. It's a vital importance. It's a vital importance. You know, you, you hear a lot of things about the heart. There are a lot of sayings uh, about the heart. You know, take heart. Don't worry. Get up. Take heart. When you're talking to someone and you really want to know what they're thinking, sometimes you would say, tell me what's on your mind. But if you really want to know, you'll say, share with me your heart. Share with me your heart. The heart is important. And that's why I, I've always believed, and I've said it several times, if God has your heart, then he'll have you. Not if he has your skill, not if he has your talent, but if he has your heart. That's why our prayer should be, God, revive my heart again. I remember certain sports uh, coaches, uh, you know, when they were interviewed and, and they won games uh, that, they, that they shouldn't have won. Uh, and, they, you know, the, and the coach would say, never underestimate the heart of a champion. 
Never underestimate the heart. See, a person has great heart. If, if, if your heart is right and you have the heart, you can do anything. If God has your heart. How do we know that our heart is revived like we talked about last week? Well, I just want to share a few things with you today. Actually, one of the ways it is, is going to come out in your prayer life. It's going to come out in your confession. It's going to come out in your speech. And it's going to come out in your prayer life. The prayers that you pray will reveal what's in your heart. And so today we want to talk a few moments about God revive our prayer life, revive our prayers, revive our heart to revive our prayer life because we must be in communication with God to speak to God. Isaiah 64, beginning at verse 1, says this. The Bible says this. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. You, you, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God beside you. Powerful statement. Who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. And so this is essentially sort of a prayer from Isaiah. And you notice, if you look at this, what Isaiah is saying here, it might be different from some of the prayers that you pray. When you pray, when you pray and you, and you supplicate and you ask for things and you ask for God to change things, and you ask for God to change people and you send God to different places and you ask him to send angels and you do all of these things. This prayer right here is Isaiah simply acknowledging God for who he is. And what he's going to do. You move mountains. Mountains are destroyed. The world has not seen since the beginning of time. The world has not seen any other God but you. They may think they have, but there's no other God like you. There's no other God but you. See, prayer is simply the expression of faith. It's what it should be. It's a power waiting to be used. Why don't you pray? Why don't you pray? We certainly wonder why things are the way they are. We wonder why gas prices are the way they are. We wonder why people act the way they do. We wonder why the economy, we wonder why this person, that person, we wonder why our family. Why don't we pray according to the word of God? According to the word of God, not according to our flesh. Why don't we pray? You see, the potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions. It has hushed anarchy to rest. It has extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven. It stopped diseases, rescued cities from destruction. It stayed the sun in its course. Proper biblical prayer is powerful. Why don't you pray? 
Why don't you pray? One reason why we don't pray as we ought is because we haven't allowed God to revive our heart. You have to have a passion to pray. You have to have a passion to pray. It's kind of like I, I was talking with my daughter, and, and, and you guys would know this, that there's, there's some jobs like this one here uh, that I'm doing, uh, and there's some job. My daughter's a social worker, and right now she'd been a caseworker for some time, and I just believe that that's one of those jobs. There, there, there are many like this. You know, there's some jobs that you can do. I mean, you can, you can work at Kroger, you can work at Crew, you can, you can do a lot of different things, a lot of different jobs, and you can just do them. But there's some jobs that you really need to be called to, or you ain't going to make it. You need to be called to it, or you ain't going to make it. To have this kind of a life, to have an overcoming, abundant, fulfilling life, fruitful life in God, really, it has got to be from the heart. There's got to be a passion there. Right? It's got to start from the heart. Don't think that you just can pray every day and say a few words and uh, I've checked it off my list and I have a relationship with God. If it's not from the heart. If it's not from the heart. See, Jesus said in John 14, 14, ask anything in my name and I will do it. So many of us, we, we, we take it at face value as we should, but we have no relationship with them. We have no relationship, so it's just words. And we just follow words and it doesn't work because we're just following words on a page. Uh, we had a, a, a lot of people over uh, yesterday because we had our little cookout yesterday uh, because my daughter's in from Boston and uh, we had some people over and we got to talking about, uh, you know, making different kinds of foods. And, you know, I was kind of joking with my wife and my daughters were there and, and uh, you know, she was making some green beans and some other stuff. And, you know, I, we were, we, I, I got to talking about how uh, there have been times when I wanted to make dinner and I, I can cook some things, okay? But I wanted to make dinner before she got home. And uh, so I call her on the phone and say, now, how do you make these mashed potatoes, right? And then uh, she just give me a couple things, you know, it's just simple. Just bash up the potatoes, put a little butter, you know, a little, little milk, whatever it is in there. You'd you be all right. So I said, I did that. Man, I take them things so nasty. I said, this is where I should have just ate a regular potato. What in the world did I make? And I tried to follow what she said. But, but see, just following words sometimes doesn't get the job done. She, there's something she does. She knows how to do it. I, or I'd have to see her do it, Right. So we can't, sometimes we can't just follow some words. We have to have a relationship. We have to have a relationship with God. Jesus said in, in John 16, he said, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you until now. You have asked nothing in my name. And, and ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So here's some things that come. Here's some prayers that come out of the revived heart. We want God to revive our prayer life. Let me give you seven things real quick, seven prayers, seven ways to pray that come out of the revived heart. The first thing we need to do uh, once we have a revived heart is we need to pray that the impossible be removed. And it's really kind of speaking to it as well. That's our prayer. Pray that the impossible be removed in your life. This is our year, folks. It's still our year. We're halfway through, and it's still our year. We're moving mountains. Mountains shake at your presence. Mountains shake at your presence. You don't have to lift your hand, but I, how many people in here would say that I, there, there's an impossible situation 
in my life. There's an impossible situation. Maybe, uh, maybe it's something that's, that's obvious and great, like a, a disease or a health problem. There's an impossible situation. Maybe it's a family member, uh, you know, who you've been praying for for years and years and years and they just won't change. It's an impossible situation. You know, maybe it has to do with your finances. You just can't see how this could change. I, I just can't see. There's no way that it, it can change. Pray that the impossible is removed. I'm talking about those things that are beyond. They're unworkable, incapable of happening. Can't be done. Just can't be done, right? Find some things in your life. Can't be done. God said, I can do it. I can do it. In fact, I mean, if we want to be realistic, God would say, if I'm in you, you can do it. I mean, if we want to be realistic, right? God's saying, I can do it, but if you let me in you, if you, if you let me revive your heart, it's my spirit in you. So some would say it's semantics, but same thing, same thing. You have, you have a part to play in it. You have a part to play in it. God brings those things that are with, without to within reach. Come on. They all of a sudden now, the unobtainable becomes obtainable, but we have to believe that it can be done. What areas in your life have you written off as impossible? As impossible. You might be a person who feels lethargic. We need to pray that this spiritual dead wood is removed in our life. Come on. Listen. Uh, listen. Some, someone once said, you ought to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come on. At some point, <laughs> you have to say, enough is enough. And I'm not just talking about with outward situations. We, we get fed up sometimes with circumstances. Start with you. Start with you. Look in the mirror and say, I'm tired of living my life this way on this roller coaster. And you know what? Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing that I, I, I've learned is you, you know, sometimes you'll find yourself on a roller coaster ride in life. And we pray, God, take me off this roller coaster. But you know what God did for me? God just helped me enjoy the roller coaster. I love it. I, I love the roller coaster because none of it gets me down. I'm victorious in every situation. You know, rather I, I came down the hill, I'm at the bottom of the hill. I'm victorious. I'm loving this. Woo, let's go. We going up the hill. Let's go. We going higher. That's right. Put your hands up. We going down the hill. Roller coaster, let's go. It's life. I'm alive. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Come on, right? Pray that this spiritual deadwood is removed from your life, that fire burns up the brushwood as Isaiah prayed, right? As Isaiah prayed. And then number three, pray that spiritual passions be restored. We read where it says, just as fire boils water. So in order to get to here, that deadwood has to be removed. And now you can enjoy that roller coaster. Come on. Just as fire boils water, that's the way God wants you to be. Because if you're like that, you'll be like David in Psalm 63 when he said, Oh God, you are my God. I long for you. My whole being desires you. Like a dry, worn out, waterless land, my soul is thirsty for you. Let me see you in the sanctuary. Let me see how mighty and glorious you are. Can I just tell you something? Can I just tell you something? This is not, this is not shade 
for maybe I don't, I don't see all the young people in who might not who might know what that is. It's not shade. This is not throwing any blame, anything like that. But listen, and I'm all of us. Let's stop waiting for the pastor or Pastor Dietra. Come on for revival to create revival. Let's stop coming in saying, okay, they're going to have revival today. I'm going to be part of it. Y'all start it. We need the music. Dietra, sing something so we can have revival. You over here, Pastor Mike, you need to preach a word so we can have revival. Guess what? God is saying revival is in you, all of us together. I'm not taking myself out of it, but it's, it's all of us together. You get revived and come in here and it'll create revival in the church. It'll create revival in the church. Come on. And then we'll be like David. My soul is, I want to see God move. I've heard so many people say, I want to see God move in this place. Well, listen, God is saying, I want to move in this place. It's, it's, I'm not, I'm not taking the blame from me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It runs from the head. Absolutely. But it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. We all need to be revived. We need to pray that spiritual attack will be resisted. Pray and believe this. The name of God, what, about, what do I mean with this? The name of God will be great among his adversaries, but it's going to be through you. His name is great in the midst of his adversaries. See, this is what David was saying when he said, in the presence of my enemies, you will prepare a table. You will prepare a table for me to feast. In the presence of my enemies. And we pray, Lord, take my enemies away. Do something to them. Make them have a car accident. You know, do, do something to, the, to my enemy, Lord. Kill them. Do something. God said, I, I died for them too. I died for them too. So I'm going I'm to I'm make a table that you can feast. And, and, and maybe, maybe they'll get a little jealous. And they say, I, I want to come to the table. And you, you can't say, mm-mm, you can't come to my table. You say, come on. Table's here for you too. The kingdom has a, there's a, listen, I know y'all don't, I know many of y'all don't know this, but, but the Reverend James Cleveland, come on, from back in the day, he said, there's room at the cross. There is room. There's room at the table. There is room at the table for all those that don't agree with you. Although if I, t I'm not going to tell this story, I'm not going to tell the story, but I got a story to tell. I, I told it to a couple of y'all. And they, they was call, I was in the city, they was calling me some names out of my name. I said, there's room at the cross. There's room for you too. <laughs> there's room. When they call you out of your name, they call you a name out of your name, tell them there's room at the cross. There's room. Come on to the table. There's room in the, in the kingdom for you as well. All those people that, you, that, that call you all kinds of stuff, tell them there's room at the cross. Come on now. That's why we're here. That's what Jesus said. Go and bring them in. Go to the highways and byways and bring them in. And they don't come in. Go out further and bring them in. Tell them about my love. And that's why we need to pray that all people groups are reached. Because in the Bible, Isaiah said that nations would tremble. And I don't just mean physical nations like Philippines or Africa or Colombia or Mexico or whatever. I mean just all nations, people groups. And when I say people groups, I mean everybody. <laughs> every people group. Every people group. We need to pray that they would be reached. All ethnos, all people groups. See, in Genesis 18, 18, the Bible says, Since Abraham shall surely become a, a great nation and a mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. In him. It has to start there. 
All right, come here. In him, in you, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice, God told Abraham. In Psalms, the Bible says, Psalms 2.8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. See, this is not an exclusive club that we've created, this Christianity. It's for everybody. It's for every, any, uh, anybody, whomsoever will, the Bible says. Come on. Here's one. Pray for unexpected miracles to be received. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Because if you're, if you're like me at all, you know, I, I'm, the I'm the kind of person that likes to plan it all out. I, I'm methodical. You know, so if, if we're going to do something with our finances, I like to grab the spreadsheet and let's put it all on the spreadsheet and let's see how it goes, right? I like to plan it all. That's how I like to think. You know, if, 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 I, if, if the Lord gives me a word, I'm going to do something, I start thinking about, well, maybe God's going to do it this way and this is how it's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, Lord. God said, I'm not even coming the way you think I'm coming. I'm not coming the day you think I'm coming. I'm not coming the time you think I'm coming. It's going to come from a whole different place that you don't even know about. And, and, and if we're not ready for it, we'll reject the very blessing of God, right? Because we weren't expecting it to come that way. But God is saying, pray for unexpected miracles. I'm talking about miracles when you don't think you need a miracle. We know when we need a miracle, when the bills do, and when I'm in the hospital, and when I'm about to lose my job. They said on Friday, it's, everybody's done. Uh, I know I need it. We know that. But, that. but some of us, you need a miracle. You don't even know you need a miracle. Or it ain't even about needing a miracle. God just loves to do miracles. Why? Because God is a miracle himself. He just loves to do it. Miracles on miracles. I can't sing, but if I could sing, if I could sing, I'd be singing it. We're going to do that one again, aren't we? Yeah, miracles, a million little miracles. One, two, three, I can't even count them all. Miracles on miracles. That's, that's the God that you serve. He loves to do miracles. And then finally, pray that intercessory prayer be rewarded. Now, we know that God will do this. This is not a begging situation like, God, please, right? Really, I probably should have put this point we need to pray that God makes us intercede. <laughs> That's what I probably should have put. But pray, pray uh, for these intercessory prayers that we're praying for other people, right? Uh, because the Bible says he acts for the one who waits. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him, that seeks him. When you say, when you say your prayer, and then at the end of your prayer, you say, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, what you have to realize is what you're really saying is how you want to do it according to your word, Lord, according to your word, not according to me, not according to how I think it is. And then, but the issue with that is, even when I say that, some of us will say, well, yeah, that's just because God's a mysterious God, he wonders to perform, we don't know the things that he does, but he's given us some stuff in his word, right? So it's, it's, some of it is just simple. It's just according to his word. According to his word, folks. When he says don't fornicate, I don't know. You want to look it up in the Greek. Maybe you want to find what it means in the Hebrew. I, I, I'm not, listen, I'm not condemning you. I, I promise you I'm not. Because I know, I know there's some things that, you know, not that, but I know there's some things I do that it's like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. 
So it ain't about any condemnation. But I'm just telling you that the word means what it means. And sometimes we just, not sometimes, we need to take God at his word. So when you say in Jesus' name, what did you pray? He said, ask anything in my name. 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 Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Psalm 33, 20 said, oh, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And in Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You know, sometimes there's some prosperity that we miss out on because we're so jealous of someone else's prosperity. See, you're, you're worried about how God's blessing someone else, and God's saying, I bless you too. Why? You, Jesus, let me tell you this, Jesus was walking with John. No, he was walking with Peter. And John was back there. I don't know if you this was after Jesus resurrected, okay? You might remember the story. He, they was walking together. They was walking along. And, you know, he was talking to Peter, and he said, feed my sheep. You might remember that. And Peter said, okay. Uh, then he told him again, feed my sheep. And, okay, feed my sheep. He said, Lord, why do you keep saying feed my sheep? What does that mean? And then he told him, and then, and then Peter looked back and said, well, what about him? Talking about John. And then uh, Jesus said, why are you worried about him? Don't, don't worry. If, if, he, if he remains on this earth till I come back, what's that to you? You do what I told you to do. And I believe the Lord is telling us that today. Stop worrying about what everybody else got, okay? It, it's, it's about how God wants to bless you, all right? You don't need to be jealous. You don't need to be envious. God has a blessing for you. He loves you. He knows you. The greatest miracle that God ever performed was that out of all the billions of people in the world, out of all the planets in the, in the universe, he looked at you, Michael, goofy looking, bald, need to lose 15 pounds, and said, I'm saving you, and I'm going to bless you. All you need is my name. All you need is my name.